Are the New Orleans Saints in trouble? We'll try to address the questions around their offense, the new concerns around their defense, and take a look at what they need to do next after starting off the season two and two with this loss to the New York Giants. We get all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, free and on all platforms, including YouTube on Locked on Saints. And the New Orleans Saints dome coming spoiled here as the Saints dropped two and two after a week four overtime loss, 27 to 21 to the New York Giants. And two elements of this game have been called into question by many, both play calling and the defense. Let's start off with play calling. So we'll start off with the opening score, which actually came from the New York Giants, the big 51 yard touchdown from Daniel Jones to John Ross. A little bit of an interesting situation here. They get the uh, pass over the top who to John Ross, who got a step on Paulson Adebo. Uh, Paulson Adebo and Marcus Williams converge on a John Ross. They make the tackle at the one-yard line, but John Ross fumbles. And this is where the inexperience of Paulson Adebo comes in. He kind of just stood there, didn't go after the football. Marcus Williams was down on the ground at the time, sitting down there. And John Ross, heads up play, goes and grabs the ball as it almost rolls out the back of the end zone. That ends up turning into a touchdown for the New York Giants because per the NFL rules, you can advance your own fumble. You just can't advance a teammate's fumble. So when John Ross recovers that fumble in the end zone, it goes down as a touchdown. The officials did not do a good job explaining that as that ruling became a part of what we heard in the game. But outside of that touchdown and before we got to that touchdown, the play before that became the part that I want to highlight here. It was the 58-yard field goal attempt by Aldrick. Rosas. Now, the New Orleans Saints fourth and three on that play go to Aldrick Rosas for this 58-yard field goal, despite the fact that he missed a 52 and 36-yard field goal last week in New England. Now, maybe they thought that it was perhaps the breeze, but Aldrick Rosas also hasn't been consistent in practice either. And so he ends up missing this field goal. And Sean Payton was asked about it in the post-game pressers about if he would make the same decision. And he said, in hindsight, he would punt it. And yes, of, of course you would. Y- you have Blake Gilligan, who has shown you that he has the propensity to pin teams back. You know scoring probability drops big time if you can get a team to start within the 10, even more within the five. All of a sudden, maybe that doesn't turn into a scoring drive. And potentially you go into the half instead of tied seven to seven, you go in up seven to zero because the New Orleans Saints would score at the end of the half. And the Saints offense didn't look better throughout this entire game than they did at the end of the first half and at the beginning of the second half. Jameis Winston in the first half, 11 of 15 for a touchdown during that time, still under 100 yards at that time, would get over 200 yards for the first time as a New Orleans Saint in this game. But in the second half, he only threw eight passes. We'll circle back to that because there's a more specific time frame that I want to point out where he didn't throw but one pass, and it's kind of interesting. But You saw the big touchdown at the end of the first half. You saw a great uh, drive uh, to start off the second half, the three-play scoring drive where he had another 58-yard connection with Marquez Calloway. 
nine-yard pass to Chris Hogan, and then Taysom Hill just pinballed over like seven different New York Giants on his way into the end zone with a very impressive run. We're going to highlight that that is Taysom's game. Taysom was responsible for 14 of the 21 points in this game because of the work that he did on the ground, and that's where you want Taysom Hill. We're going to get a highlight of where we don't necessarily want to see Taysom Hill as much in just a moment, but I want to highlight here Jameis was playing very well during the first half, didn't put the ball in any situations where it was going to be you know, at risk or anything like that. Started off a little slow and a little sloppy, had some low throws, things like that, but not the same sort of risky situations that you've seen in each of the last couple of weeks. So good movement and good steps forward for Jameis Winston. Despite that, though, you end up getting this big touchdown pass over as Kenny Stills gets behind that New York Giants defense looking to add to that lead would have put them up uh, to 21 points there, but that touchdown gets called back due to a holding penalty from Adam Troutman. That would have given you three uh, scoring possessions in a row, basically, for New Orleans. Big time momentum builder there that gets taken away with the Adam Troutman holding penalty. And this is where, for me, the tide kind of turned in this matchup because the very next play, the Saints take another shot downfield to Deontay Harris. But this time, they take Jameis Winston out of the game, put Taysom Hill in the game, and then have him push the ball deep. That ball comes up short and is intercepted by James Bradbury in a jump ball situation because you've got Deontay Harris, who's about five foot seven, against a much bigger uh, James Bradbury, who goes up and just ends up getting to the ball first and therefore taking the ball away. And this was a curious play call for me because if we have learned nothing over the past couple of years, it is that Taysom Hill pushing the ball downfield oftentimes comes up short. We saw it on the big Emmanuel Sanders play. We saw it on the 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 playoff uh, the playoff pass in the um, in the Superdome against the Vikings to Deontay Harris, where Deontay Harris kind of had to pull up. Taysom Hill has struggled to push the ball downfield and hit receivers in stride on their way to the end zone, like what we saw with the let's say Marquez Callaway or even the Kenny Stills throws. From Jameis Winston. So it was interesting to see the decision there. I see the vision of it, I will say, because you end up getting the holding penalty. You go from this big touchdown to Kenny Stills to now behind schedule at first and 10. You switch quarterbacks. I guess you think you're going to catch the defense slip in here and that you're going to be able to get that shot downfield with Taysom Hill, but that's just not Taysom Hill's game. Again, Taysom Hill's game, what he is very good at and what he is invaluable at when it comes to this team is exactly what it is that put up 14 of the 21 points in this game. In fact, the Saints would then go on in just a little while to score again later on in this one with a run by Taysom Hill, finding his way into the end zone. But this sort of momentum shift, not great. And then the other thing that happened here was that this interception was thrown at just over six minutes left in the third quarter. Between that point to just over six minutes left in the fourth quarter, Jameis Winston attempted one pass despite the fact that the Saints had three possessions during that time. And that included a possession with nine minutes left on the clock in the fourth quarter where the Saints went three straight runs, kept the ball on the ground three straight times with a run by two runs by Alvin Kamara. And then on third and two, they tried their quarterback power and Taysom Hill got stopped short. So the Saints had to punt. Now, a lot of folks were criticizing this play call and calling it conservative, which is true. It is conservative. But the Saints also did that last week, too, in New England. The difference is that they ended up putting together a 13-play, 75-yard drive with 55 rushing yards a couple of drives later or a drive later. This one didn't end up being so successful, right? So it's not, not me defending the play call, but I'm just saying, is it new? 
or is it just who the Saints are right now? Because if the answer is that it's who the Saints are right now, then it's pretty clear what needs to shift over on the offensive side. The restrictions around this passing game have got to loosen up a little bit. I mean, we've seen Jameis Winston throw now 21, 20, and 23 passes, or you know, right around that, that range, no more than 25 so far this season. I mean, we've got to be able to see this passing offense begin to open up. And we thought that this was going to be the game that it would happen. And it certainly was. We certainly saw more of those deep shots and a couple of them. But then once the interception happened, everything just seemed to tighten right back up. And that's not the way that these New Orleans Saints are going to win games, especially when the defense isn't able to carry them, which the defense struggled quite a bit when it really, really mattered for the New Orleans Saints. So that's what we're going to talk about next as these defensive issues come up. We have the questions around the offense already, but now we need to talk about this defense and whether or not we should be concerned about it moving forward here, especially up against a tough opponent with some very talented wide receivers in the Washington football team right around the corner. We've got that and much more coming up for you as we continue on today's episode of Locked on Saints. Before we get to it, I want to talk to you about the Get Upside app, which is absolutely incredible. Going to help you get some cash back every time that you fill up your car while driving more, going to see friends, going to restaurants, going to work, all of that. So let's save you some money so you don't have to go and try to find the gas station that's slightly cheaper than the other gas station that's actually closer to you. You kind of have to go out of your way to get to it, all of this stuff. Now you ain't got to worry about that. Participating gas stations will allow you to use the Get Upside app, which you can download for free from the Apple App Store or from Google Play. They're going to give you 25 cents per gallon back every time that you fill up at those gas stations. And after you download the free app, if you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN on your first fill up, you're going to get a bit of a bonus here, 50 cents back per gallon. Some folks are getting $200, $300 back. And best of all, there's no catch. They'll even put it directly in your bank account. You can go ahead and get it on PayPal, or you can do Amazon gift cards or other brands as well. So go and check them out, the Get Upside app. Download it wherever. It's free. And don't forget to use the promo code TOUCHDOWN so you can get that 50 cents per gallon fill up the next time that you fill up at the gas station. That is the Get Upside app. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen every single Monday through Friday. Very much appreciate the support. And again, appreciate all the support that led to me being able to be credentialed and in the press box for this matchup. And as for the environment in there, I mean, the, the fans were just juice. The Houdat chant was led by Cam Jordan. It was loud. It was emphatic. Everyone was so excited. And the energy was just palpable for this city. I got to meet a, a few folks. Shout out to uh, my good dude, uh, Jonathan McWhorter, who caught me over on the street corner at one point and said hi. I mean, it, it was great to just be able to connect with with folks and and, and see the Houdat Nation, the Houdat faithful really come alive uh, back in their element. Unfortunately, the result wasn't what they looked for, but there's not a more loyal fan base than the one that the New Orleans Saints have here. It was a... It, another step in the right direction for all of us. Um, and I mean us, right? All of us that are are working on or listening to supporting the podcast. So very, very grateful to be able to bring all that to you. And because of all that, I was able to get some more sort of fleshed out thoughts for this episode. And a lot of my most fleshed out thoughts come from the defensive side, because this was really interesting. The Saints defense was a strength coming into this game, 14 uh, points per game allowed coming into this one. They were looking absolutely great. They hadn't allowed 400 
passing yards in a game since like 2019. They hadn't allowed you know any any 40 plus yard plays, and they were turning around and allow 250 plus yard plays in this game. So it was a bit of a struggle here watching the defense. There were a lot of different areas where we saw this all kind of culminate and come together. So let's talk about here uh, at the end of the third quarter, because where the New Orleans Saints really kind of struggled on defense were in the fourth quarter and overtime when it really, really mattered. So through the first three quarters, uh, Giants and quarterback Daniel Jones had 199 passing yards. Pretty good day for the Saints defense up to that point. However, they finished with 402 passing yards, 485 total yards. So 203 passing yards coming just in the fourth quarter, as well as the additional uh, drive, one drive in overtime. That's also what led to 16 points during that time as well, allowing only 10 points through the first three quarters. No penalties that gave away you know, third downs or gave them first downs on third down. No questionable officiating in the latter part of the game that assisted in all of this happening. None of that. Just a pass rush that didn't really seem to be present or didn't really seem to be very impactful throughout all of this. And when you have a pass rush that's not impactful and you're playing a bunch of zone coverage in that second half, that's going to allow the Giants or any other opponent to really eat you up over the middle of the field and over certain areas of the field. And certainly that's what we saw happen with the Saints. That they allow their first 100-yard receiver, 116 yards by Kenny Galladay here, first 100-yard receiver in this season, although they allowed 290-plus uh, last week against the Patriots. Uh, you saw uh, the pass rush continue to struggle in this one. You did get good penetration from Peyton Turner and Malcolm Roach, Cam Jordan, Tana Passino, all early on in the game, but the Giants' offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage over the course of the second half, and in particular, again, that fourth quarter and overtime, uh, despite all of the injuries and shuffling that they had to do there. You really thought that the Saints' defense was going to, or defensive line and pass rush is really going to come in here and bully this Giants' protection, but that just simply wasn't the case. I mean, you saw opportunities there for Demario Davis to get involved in the blitzing game, but he was sort of relegated to a little bit more of a zone, um, a little bit more of a, a, a zone role, kind of protecting or prowling the middle of the field. You didn't really see him get into the action very much as a pass rusher, although he did rush the passer a couple of times. You saw some nice stunts early on in this game that allowed Cam Jordan to get free right up the gut. And then you did see a couple of pressures in the second half, but it just wasn't there the way that it was early on in the game. The Saints, excuse me, the Giants offensive line just did a fantastic job in the second half, or the Saints defensive line did a poor job in the second half, however it is that you want to look at it. Uh, after two outstanding weeks from Demario Davis, like we mentioned, his role just felt a little bit more relegated to the zone coverage scheme of everything. Uh, we'll get a better look when we get filmed there, but he just wasn't the impactful player that you expected him to be in this one. Paulson Adebo, who's had a very nice season through three games, was attacked early and often, easily accounted for over 120, maybe more than that, yards in this one. Wouldn't be surprised to see him with double-digit targets. I mean, they really, really went after him, and Daniel Jones threw the ball 40 times in this matchup compared to Jameis Winston's 23, and a lot of those passes went the way of Paulson Adebo. Um, you know, we'll be interesting to see, right? Do the Saints react to this over on the defensive side and roll with Bradley Roby next week? And it's a very talented Washington football team receiver core that includes 
Terry McLaurin and now Curtis Samuel coming back, although he was dealing with some soreness in the uh, WFT win over the Atlanta Falcons, or at least there was that to cheer from cheer about. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons lost again after having a lead. But are the are the things going to shift over to Bradley Roby in anticipation for that matchup? Bradley Roby did see the field in this game, but he was a, a dime back really in, in those packages. He wasn't in there in place of Paulson Adebo at any point. Marshall Lattimore gave up lots of cushion in this one. I can't really say gave up lots of cushion, but there was a lot of cushion between Marshall Lattimore and the uh, receivers that could just be play calling on the defensive side as well. I uh, didn't make much contact at the line of scrimmage. A lot of receivers getting off of the line of scrimmage cleanly in this one, and that led to a lot of cushion and a lot of separation for the Giants receivers, uh, particularly um, he had one play to where he actually was lined up. Marshawn Lattimore was lined up outside. So this shows you that it was zoned. He was outside up against Saquon Barkley. I don't know if he expected the route to come up short or if he thought that he had help over the top on his side, but that zone call that was there didn't give him help over on that side. So there might've been some miscommunication somewhere, or he just simply thought Saquon was going to do something that he didn't do. And the next thing he knew, Saquon Barkley was in the end zone. So you had the pass rush issues. You had the the zone issues over in coverage. Uh, I'll tell you, Pete Werner had a fantastic day, 10 tackles in this one, including a tackle for a loss. He was all over the field, but you just didn't get the impactful play you're accustomed to getting from the second level either. And then in that second half is really where things just kind of crumbled for the Saints defense. Again, over 200 yards passing allowed in the fourth quarter and that overtime game-winning drive alone, that's the time where you usually see the Saints defense step up. We're usually talking about them allowing, you know, however many points they allow in the first quarter, but either shutting out offenses from a touchdown standpoint in the second quarter, in the second half, or not allowing any points at all in the second half. And in this one, they go from allowing seven in the first half to 20 in the second half, which is just uncharacteristic for the New Orleans Saints defense. So now we sort of have to ask the question, just like we've asked about the offense, which one is real, right? When we saw the Green Bay performance, the, the New England performance, and then now we've seen, and then of course we had the Carolina performance, and then now we sort of saw a little bit of a middle of the road there, despite some questionable decisions throughout on the offensive side. Now with this defense, we've seen three straight games of very good play, or at least improving play over the course of the game, like the Carolina Panthers game, and then now we've seen them go the opposite way or the opposite trajectory in this game up against the New York Giants. I tend to believe that the better defense is the real defense for the Saints. And I certainly won't look at this game and say that the Saints weren't prepared, or that the Saints didn't uh, you know, take the Giants seriously or whatever. This was a, the first home game in 636 days in the Superdome in front of the Houdat Nation and in front of their fans. There's no way they didn't take this seriously. So I'm not even going to make that accusation, though I've seen it. This was just simply the Saints doing what we said that they couldn't do, which was beat themselves. Whatever happened over on the defensive side, they just weren't able to get themselves out of that rut. And it wasn't that the Giants out-schemed them or the Giants did anything. It's just simply that the plays were there because the Saints gave them up. So they'll look to correct all of that. Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins, all taking some accountability there for the defense. But you can point to all of different places. You can see them. They're all identifiable. So if we can see them, the Saints can see them. They'll continue to work on them. And they'll need to make those decisions and make those adjustments and those improvements before next week in Washington. We'll talk about why that's so important as we continue on with today's episode. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about DirecTV Stream. I love this thing. Uh, DirecTV Stream has helped me take all of the sort of, I used to use apps on another device and everything like that. I don't have to jump from one app to another app. And then I had to shut this thing down and then go over to this thing. And then there were logins and all this stuff. No more of any of that. Help me get my TV together. DirecTV Stream. It allows me to 
switch seamlessly between all my sports, my favorite movies, my favorite TV shows. I'm not having to use a bunch of different devices or anything. And I'm not having to schedule stuff with people that I don't even live with or anything like that. Nope, no, no, none of that anymore. Direct TV stream got me all taken care of. And best part of all, no annual contracts. You can try it. You can move on from it. You can keep it. I tried it. I am keeping it. Absolutely love it. You can get more information as well over at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Now, compatible device is required and content varies by package. And of course, looking forward to my next package of Built Bars, Cherry Lime Built Bars. I don't know about this one. I haven't tried this one yet. I have them on the way. I'm very excited to try them. I'm interested in the flavors. I like cherry. I like lime. I like chocolate. So I'm interested to see how all of it comes together, and I'm sure it's going to be delicious. You know why? Because it's Built Bars. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars on the market. Protein bars, that taste like a candy bar. You want protein, you want flavor, you want low sugar. No compromises here when it comes to Built Bars. You get all that. 17, 18 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, covered in 100% chocolate, and soft and easy to chew and delicious. Absolute deliciousness with these Built Bars. So go and check them out. You can head over to BuiltBar.com. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your next order, whether it's your first or your next, over at BuiltBar.com. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode here. The New Orleans Saints are now 2-2 two and two. And a win next week will help them stay afloat before a very, very challenging sort of gauntlet that they have to go through after the bye week. So next week's game becomes incredibly important. If the Saints can move into the bye week three and two, knowing that they're going to start to get some pieces back after the bye week, whether it be Will Lutz, Traquan Smith, um, you know, Michael Thomas is available after the bye week from, uh, off the PUP. We'll see if he can come back immediately. You're one game away after the bye week. You know, after the Seattle game, you can get David Onyemata back off of a suspension. You've got several other players like Quan Alexander, who was in the pregame huddle along with CJ Garner Johnson and Demario Davis before this game. He still had a cast on his arm, but looked to be feeling pretty good, jumping around in there and having a blast before the game got started. So hopefully you can get Quan Alexander back at some point too. Will Lutz, of course, is somebody that the Saints cannot wait to get back, I would imagine. Um, and he right now is apparently week to week, as we've heard. So hopefully you get to see him come back sooner rather than later. I know the Saints would really like to have him uh, right now, but they're up against right now a, a, a few, a bad situation if they walk in two and three. So they need this win this upcoming week. After the bye week, they end up going at Seattle Then they're back at home on Halloween night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hello, I'll be here for that one. Uh, then they'll be hosting division rival Atlanta Falcons the week right after that. Then they'll travel to Tennessee, travel to Philadelphia back-to-back. Then they've got a short week before they go up against the Buffalo Bills, who have a ton of firepower, and so they'll need their firepower back in order to match that. That'll be on Thanksgiving Day. And then the very next Thursday, they're hosting again, but this time the Dallas Cowboys, whose defense is looking pretty pretty sustainable right now, particularly with Trevon Diggs playing as good as he's, he's playing so far. He's got five interceptions for the first four games. Last player to do that was Darren Sharper back in 2009. So they're playing extremely well, and the Saints have got to step their game up so that they're ready for that gauntlet, because that is a tough, tough stretch of games. And we've kind of highlighted the places where they need to improve. Obviously, you want to see the passing game continue to open up. It was great to see 
Jameis Winston go over 200 passing yards. Again, I don't feel like Jameis Winston had a bad game at all. 17 of 23, 220 plus yards. And then the touchdown, he had the other touchdown that was negated. I mean, I thought he actually looked pretty good. We just saw the tide turn and the momentum shift with some of the decisions that were made on the offensive side. Uh, on that defensive side, it, it, take take your pick. I mean, from this one, is it the coverage that you're concerned about? Is it the impact on the second level? Is it the pass rush? Is it all of the above? I, I think it's fair to say all of the above. And so for me, the the sort of complete shift in the defense late in this game signifies more of something that isn't a sustainable issue, but just an unfortunate circumstance that took place at the wrong time for the Saints, if we're being honest. But you know, they'll have to really put get, kick all of that into gear, particularly going into uh, the game next week. So uh, around the the NFC South is important to look at in context here. The Carolina Panthers, they lost their game against the Dallas Cowboys today. Uh, the Falcons blew yet another lead, as we mentioned. They dropped down now to one and three. The Panthers are now three and one. And then the Bucks ended up winning, uh, t- you know, Tom Brady, his return to the uh, return to Foxborough and everything. They end up winning that game in a close one. They are now also three and one. And the Saints sit basically in second place because the Panthers and um, and Bucks are tied for first place effectively at two and two. So if the Saints can get to three and two and one of those teams loses next week, then we're talking about them being tied for second place, which is where you wanted them to be today. They could have had a three-way tie at the top of the NFC South at three and one, but unfortunately, that's just simply not the situation for them. Um, as we mentioned, uh, you know, taking sort of the restrictions off the passing game would be nice to see here for New Orleans. I know that they don't want to really get into a situation to where they're risking anything, but right now this formula just isn't consistent enough, right? We've seen it sort of you know, roller coaster quite a bit. You want a consistent winning formula. If you want a consistent winning formula in the NFL, you have to throw the ball. You just simply have to. I mean, Alvin Kamara just had his career high in carries in this game. This is only the Second time he's had more than 20 carries and more than 100 yards in the same game. 26 carries in this one, over 110 yards, uh, and didn't catch a single pass either. So that's another thing about opening up the passing game. So you know you you want to see all of that, and and usually this Saints offense is is a team that rides the hot hand, right? If you feel like you're running the ball effectively, then they'll continue to run the ball. That's what's happened over the last two games, even when it was nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and people think we were going to a four minute offense. They just simply thought that they were winning in the ground game. So that's where they go. But you were also winning in the air with Jameis Winston. I mean, the, the receivers were getting open. Jameis had time. The offensive line, I, I, we'll, we'll talk more about the offensive line probably on Wednesday. But the, the offensive line held up, gave him time to sit in the pocket and throw passes and pick apart this Giants defense. I mean, they did a good job in the passing game. You just have to take the restrictions off of it. So anyway, uh, it, look, it, it was a tough loss in this one. Um, a, a couple of questions to answer as the Saints move forward, and certainly they they can't afford to really run hot and cold right now throughout the season. I mean, they they have to be able to turn it on, and getting some of those players back as they start to rebuild their identity after the bye week will certainly be there. But they have to figure something out before hitting the road here soon. Um, before they get to this bye, you get to the bye three and two, and they're in a much better position than if they get to the bye two and three, and then they're you know fending off the Atlanta Falcons to the bottom of the division. You just simply don't want to see that for this team and this team so they doesn't want to see it for themselves. Uh, all right, on tomorrow's episode, it'll be Tuesday, so we're going to dive into some analytics here. We'll talk a little bit more about the offensive line play. We'll talk about the defensive line play, the spaces that I was looking at in particular, and then highlights of individual performances. Pete Werner had a really fantastic game. We'll talk about the game that he had as well as anybody else that stood out 
uh, all throughout. Thank you again, as always, for making me your first listen. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. 30 minutes, all the NFL news that you need with Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. As always, y'all, for everything in between these episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.